We are in our third uh, sermon series uh, entitled Bold Faith, and we are in the book of Joshua this morning, chapter 1, here, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Uh, Well, let me add a good morning to you as well. My name is, is Tim, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And before we jump in, uh, to that text, a brief update, which is, uh, is really good news, and that is uh, we had, uh, in both our downtown and, and the buildings we're looking at in downtown and Shawnee here, we've, we've put out an offers, begin conversation, um, and this week uh, we've not reached uh, a formal contract, but we have reached an agreement in principle with uh, the building that we were looking at here in Shawnee, so we have a price agreement, and now we're at the, like, lawyers are looking over you know, those long documents, that's why lawyers do their thing, you know, and so that, that's where we're at, which is really, really good news. We got it at the price that we anticipated getting it at, um, so our budget right now at this point looking forward holds, uh, holds true, and so that, that's really good news. Again, it's one step in the process, there are more steps to go uh, still, but that's a significant um, step for us to, to be into this, or to be, have an agreement on, on what price we're going to pay, uh, and so, so we'll let you know more uh, as, as it comes, but that's a big, a big update from this week. Um, and so with that, I want to I pray for us, and then we'll jump into uh, to Joshua 1, um, our text. Let's pray. <clears throat> uh, Father, Father God, Psalm 85 says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly, for surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Uh, so, Father, we, we pause to, to allow you now to speak to us. Would you let us not turn to folly? And as we hear, your speak, may you, uh, hear you speak, may your salvation be near to us, and may we see the glory of who you are, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the third and final week of a series we started on, <clears throat> on bold faith. And we've been looking at, at an old story from the book of Numbers where... Uh, God's people had, had a, a choice in front of them to, to live in bold faith or to retreat in, in fear. And the thing about that, that people, this moment, was that they had seen God do like incredible, incredible things. That they, 
they had witnessed incredible acts of, of God. Most dramatically, they, they saw the parting of the Red Sea. They were freed from Egypt out of the hand of, 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 of Pharaoh. They were slaves, right? So if you've seen the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, let my people go, that's Moses. That's what they, they saw that. And then they get to the edge of the land and they, they're ready to, like God says, I'm going to do it again. I'm gonna, we're going to go in. It's going to happen. And they can't go. They're, they're too afraid. And thinking about the story of the last three weeks, I've wondered, um, would I do that? Could God, like, undeniably reveal himself to me in power and show himself trustworthy and good, and yet I'm not able to take steps of bold faith? I'm not able to live a life of bold faith. Could that be me? And the choice uh, of God's people, it's, it, it happens again in Joshua 1, where we're at this morning, which is those people that God initially put in front, like said, go take the land, they, they couldn't. And so for 40 years, they went and wandered in the wilderness. And, and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the fourth and fifth book in the Bible, they kind of tell that story. And now here we are, 40 years later, and they're at the moment again, another moment of choice. And that's what the book of Joshua um, talks about. And the choice comes again. Will they move forward in, in bold faith, trusting God, or retreat in, in paralyzing fear? And to give away the story, uh, they, they move forward in bold faith. And, and as I've thought about the story, and we'll kind of be looking at the first four chapters of Joshua this morning, um, as I've reflected on that story, the question for me is, what's different? Like, what changes here that was different in Numbers 13 and 14? What enabled them to take steps of bold faith? And, and, and by extension, what do we need to be people of bold faith? What do we need to take a first step of bold faith? I want to think about that question uh, here in Joshua 1 uh, this morning. And I want to start with probably what is the most famous verse in all of Joshua. That, you know, when we were in Numbers the last couple of weeks, we said there's not a lot of verses people know in Numbers because it's a pretty obscure book. Joshua, this is a pretty well-known verse. Maybe if you, you've not even read the Bible much, you, you've heard it before. It's Joshua 1.6. This command is commuted, uh, repeated again and again. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. And so God, like obviously reflecting on the, the past uh, and people, the people of God didn't have strength or courage to go and take the land. He's saying, Joshua, this time you have to be different. You need strength. You need courage. And it's interesting. I'd never, until this week, I'd never caught this, how Joshua is to get strength. Right? So God doesn't just say, you know, go, go be strong and courageous. He actually, he, outline, he outlines a plan for him. Verse 7 um, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it, from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. So God says, be strong and courageous, and then he says... Pay attention to everything Moses wrote in the law. And that's the first five books of the Bible we have. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God says to Joshua, pay attention to those books. Meditate on them day and night. Pay it, I've spoken. Pay attention to it. And so I want to start. If, if, you're, if we're going to be people who, um, who live in bold faith, it starts with, with meditating on 
the scriptures. And I want to I I talk about that, what that means in, in three different ways. And, and the first is that when it comes to, like, to the Bible, to the scriptures, and we have more than just those five books. We have a much longer book. But when it comes to the scriptures for us, we, we meditate on them. We don't just read them. And there's a difference. And the, the Hebrew word for meditation actually it literally means to chew. Right? When you eat a meal, you don't just, you don't just scarf it down. You, you, what are the flavors? You, uh, it's sort of like uh, uh, coffee tasting. Many of you know where I'm a coffee snob. And, uh, and co- to like, taste coffee properly, it requires some steps. And so if you have a cup of coffee, I'm going to do this right now. I don't really care what you're doing. I'm doing it. Um, and the first thing you do when you get a cup of coffee is you smell it. You just smell in the aroma. Like one person's doing it. This is great. Uh, <laughs> you, smell in the, you smell in the aroma. The second thing you do is you, you sip it. A little drink, you let, it hit your, you let it hit your tongue, you take it in. The third thing you do is you slurp it like your mama taught you not to. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because that would be awkward. But you, sl- you slurp it in. And then the fourth is as, as you take more taste, you savor it. You, where is it hitting your tongue? Is it a heavy body? Like does it weigh heavily on the tongue, light on the tongue? Where are the flavor centers hitting? And so it's, it's a, a four-step process. You sip or you smell, you sip, you slurp. Um, then you savor and then you're a snob, a coffee snob. It's a five-step process. And that, that's what it is. Like, to really drink a cup of coffee, um, that's what it looks like. Or you can, go, uh, you can go to Starbucks and get a peppermint mocha, and that's very different, uh, which I love that too. No judgment. Um, but that, that's what meditation is, is it's you're taking it in. You're reading it. You're slowing, you're slowing down. Right? It's not a checklist. It's, a, it's, it's meditation. And just a real quick practical help. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? I think that Martin Luther, who... Uh, who lived a long time ago, uh, how he encouraged people to do this was you read a scripture and you read it slowly, you read it over and over again several times, and with that, here are some questions he would ask along, alongside reading scripture. One, is there any example for me to follow? All right, so we're doing that here, like we're reading the story of God's people in Numbers and Joshua, and like there's an example here. What do we, what do we, is there an example to follow? Second, is there any command to, to obey? Right? Does God say, do this, don't do that? <laughs> and are, am I doing that and not doing that? Is there a command to obey? Third, is there any sin for me to forsake? Like as I read the scripture, do I see something in my life that's not something measuring uh, alongside this? Do I, is I, do I need to give something up? Fourth, is there any promise for me to claim? And this goes back to week one of this sermon series. And I think God is doing this to Joshua again. One of the reasons why God wants Joshua to meditate on the law day and night is because God had promised his people this land. Remember, this goes all the way back to Genesis 12 and Abraham, and, and, and the very first person God, God sort of brought to himself as his own person, he gave Abraham three promises. He promised Abraham a son, who was Isaac. He promised that Isaac would become a nation, and Isaac does. He becomes Israel. And then thirdly, God says, when that becomes a nation, when Isaac becomes a nation, Israel, then I'm going to give you land. And so we meditate on God's promises so that we live in line with with those promises. Is there any promise for me to claim when you read the scriptures? And fifth, is there any new thought about God himself? Like, as you read, like, did something that's true of God that you've never seen before, did it jump out? And, like, the more you meditate on scripture, the more you, you find ways to do this. This is a simple starting place. Just ask some questions. Think. Slow down. Right? Don't just peppermint mocha your scriptures. Med- like, taste them. Meditate. Take time. That's what God is saying to Joshua. Meditate on the scriptures day and night. Be careful to do all that's written in there. Don't, don't forsake any of it. 
So if you want to be a person of bold faith, you, just, you, have, to, you have to meditate on the scriptures. And, and there's a reason for that. It's not just so we have good Bible knowledge. Um, but secondly, uh, the second reason meditation is important is, is that God's community uh, is to be built on his words and not our dreams. Right? And so, so as we think about what does it take to take, or what do we need to take a first step of bold faith? I would say we need to follow our Father's voice. We must follow our, follow our Father's voice. So we need to meditate on the scriptures, but also as we, as a community, gather around, like we're not, we're not recreating the wheel as a church. We, like God has already said what a church is supposed to be, and we just need to be faithful to that. And that's what's happening here is God's not saying to Joshua, hey, go create like this new idea of what God's people can be, and you go off and, and you know, dream about what this could look like. No, God's saying, I've already told you what it's going to look like. Now you go be faithful um, to what I told you that it's going to be and what it should be. The God's community is to be built on, on his words and not our dreams. And that's really important. I mean, that's a foundational assumption I have, is that everything we do and teach and believe here will be through wrestling what, what this book has to say to us. And one of the reasons why I, I have that assumption is, is I've been a part of churches that, that have a very tangential relationship with Scripture, it's like, you know, you pop in, something's helpful, and then you pop back out, and it's, and ultimately doesn't really reflect, I think, the rich biblical faith that Christianity has, which both is incredibly offensive and challenges us all over the place, um, but two, is, is a resource for anything you can face in life. And, and to illustrate that, one, the reason why I have that view of scripture is when I, early when I became a pastor, um, you know, I grew up with a pretty easy childhood. No one close to me really died, really suffered, um, had it pretty easy, grew up in a, in a fairly wealthy middle, middle class home. No, you know, we never went hungry. It was, I had a pretty easy life up until I was in my early 20s and became a pastor and suddenly had a view into a world that is full of suffering, full of death, full of evil. It's a good place too, like God made it, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a really hard place to live. And about the same time I was coming to this realization, I was, uh, I was taking, uh, beginning to dip into seminary and, and took a class on the book of Job, which is a really complicated, confusing book. But if you give it the time, um, if you give the book of Job the time, it is, it is the most powerful resource for suffering and evil that I've ever read. But you can't, I can't just give you a verse, and it's like, oh, that's a good verse. Yeah, you're right. No, you have to, you have to, you have to go in for hours and think and reflect and meditate. And I, I believe that when you, give, when you give the word of God that place in your life, that happens. But if you try to jump in and jump out, it, it doesn't. And it's why as a church, we don't want to jump in and jump out. We don't want to just grab a, a verse here, grab a verse there, and, and, and say this is who we know. We want to be deeply biblical because the community we have as a church is not ours. It's not our dreams. It's, it's God's idea. That's why even as a church, we... As we think about who we are, we say very intentionally, we're not a vision church. Uh, you know, I know we have a vision night tonight, um, but we're not, we're not about a vi like visionary dreaming what we think is the right thing to do. We are, we're a values-led church, which is we think God has given us who we are to be in Jesus and the Great Commission. Um, and and we, the way we explain that through our mission statement that Andrew said earlier is that we are to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. We think that captures well what Matthew 28 is about. And the how of how we do that now is we multiply churches, right? We're, we're about church planting um, and new churches, new communities. We're about multiplying disciples, which is we want to see new people come to faith. And we're about multiplying leaders, which is we don't want you just to come in and go out and not really be changed, but we want you to be so influenced by Jesus and, and the community here that you're actually, uh, as you go out into your workplace or your vocation or where you're at, you're actually, you're like, 
You're there present as Jesus' uh, emissary sent there as a leader. That's who, and that's not like, that's who we are. And that goes back to Jesus. And that won't change. That's who we are. And we don't want tomorrow to say, you know what, we have this grand new idea. We're going to change everything. It's like, no, we're, that's, we're just, we're a values church, not a vision church. And the reason is, is we believe God has already given us the blueprint for the church, which is Jesus, Matthew 28. Go make disciples, all nations, baptizing them in the name, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's, that's our mission. And that's why we're built on, on, on this word, the scriptures. So that's, that's the reason why meditation is so important is, one, we, uh, we need to, to follow our Father's voice. We need to meditate on the word day and night. But two is, is God's community, our church, is built on his words and not our dreams. And thirdly, uh, following our, our Father's voice, when you meditate on the scriptures, it will necessarily lead you to bold steps. And here's the thing we have to be careful at, at, at Christ's community, because we're... You know, we're, we're a, uh, we like theology here. That's just kind of our thing. I mean, we all, most of our pastors are, are MDiv grads, had graduate level. We love talking seminary. We love talking uh, the Bible. And yet, um, we don't want to be about God talk, which is a, a phrase Eugene Peterson coined, which is that we, we talk theology up here, and it never, like, works its way out into our hands, into our mouth, into our speech, into our life. That, that the Bible ultimately is meant to be lived, well, that's what's happening in Joshua 1. Is God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Meditate on the scriptures. Be careful to do everything I've said to do so that you go take the land. Right? Not so that, oh, I've got, a great, I've got great theology now. Let's sit by the river and talk about it. No, it's go into the land. Go and do. And I like this. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned him, his name a second ago. Uh, you know, a pastoral mentor from, through his writings for me has always been Eugene Peterson. And in his, his autobiography, The Pastor, he, he grew up in a Pentecostal church. And then he pastored as a Presbyterian for most of his life. So he called himself a Presbycostal. And he, he, uh, as he was laying out, like, the, the Pentecostal church, it did this for me. And here's what he said about the Pentecostal church, which I think is, is a great line. He says, if I was to define what makes up the core Pentecostal identity, it is the lived conviction that everything, absolutely everything in the scriptures is livable. Not just true, but livable. Not just an idea or a cause, but livable in real life. Right? And, and we don't just read the Bible to have great ideas. We read the Bible to live out boldly. We meditate on the scriptures because God's voice is always calling us forward into faithfulness to his mission. And we're going to take bold steps because we listen to him. And, and, and faithfulness and listening to him always requires, li- it's livable, right? It's not just an idea, it's livable. So what do we need to take our first step of full faith? We need to follow our father's voice. That's what God's saying to Joshua. If you're going to, if you're going to take this step into the land that your, your fathers couldn't take, you need to listen to my voice. Just like, you know, any of us who have had kids and we teach our kids how to walk, what do you do? You, you hold their hands, you stand them up, and then you back away, and then you tell, come here, come this way. Like that, and that is what God does for us, is he is ahead of us, pulling forward us, calling us where he is, calling us forward, listen to his voice, and it becomes bold faith. So that, that's the first. Um, but the story goes on, and it goes on. We're going to skip ahead to Joshua 3, um, Joshua chapter Three. And what happens is they get to the edge of the river and they're ready to go in. And what's interesting is God doesn't tell them, all right, like, get your plan ready, get it figured out, like, start sharpening your military weapons. We're going to do, no, here's what he says. Here's the first thing that needs to happen. Uh, Joshua 3, verse 3. God commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. 
the what's, uh, what do we need to take our first steps of bold faith is, is one, we need to see our first step of bold faith is never God's first step. And what's happening here is the Ark of the Covenant is, it's, it's, it was a box, but it was a symbol of the presence of God. And don't be too literal there. It's not like God didn't live in the box. Um, it was a symbol, but it was his presence. And what, what God wanted them to do in this case was have the priest take up this box and go to the Jordan River and stand in the river. And when they stood in the river, God would part the waters again of a river this time. And his people would cross the river and go into the promised, promised land. And I, I realize there's all sorts of, that sounds weird. What a weird story. Well, the, the important thing is, God was going to go first. God was going to take the first steps. He was going to go into the river, part the waters, and then his people were to follow. And what that, you know, as, as we think about this in our own day, like, God will never call you into something where he is not already there. And if we ever in our lives find ourselves like trying to drag God with us, because he's like he's behind us and we're trying to get him up with then we're probably in the wrong place. Because God is typically, he is ahead of us, dragging us towards him. We don't have to drag God anywhere. He's always ahead of us, moving ahead of us. And this is true of Jesus. And when the author of Hebrews was reflecting on who Jesus was for us, his people, um, he said this in Hebrews 12, and I want to use the message translation because I think Eugene Peterson captures this well. Hebrews 12 says to us, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. I love that phrase. Jesus never lost sight of, of where he was headed, of what was ahead of him. And God was always ahead of him. The cross was always ahead of him. The plan of God was always ahead of him. And what, what the author's saying is if, if, you, if you keep your eyes on what is ahead, you can go through anything. If you see the ark in the water, you can cross into the promised land. If you know what's ahead, you can get through anything. And, and, and a way this, uh, this is true for me is uh, many of you know that, that in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Uh, it was a very important event. And, and yet, the, uh, the night they won the World Series, in the bottom of the eighth inning, the Indians hit a two-run home run. A guy named Rajay Davis, who has like 50 career home runs. He never hits home runs, but he did this time to tie the game in the bottom of the eighth. And as Missy will tell you, I just went off. I was angry. I'm mad. Like, how could this happen? Uh, you know, Joe Madden, he's met, the manager's messed this thing up. And I'm just like, we blew it. And I'm just pouting on the couch. Um, and then two innings later, they scored two runs, and they won the game. It was amazing. Now, when I, when I go back and I watch those, those two, three innings, and that home run gets hit, I just laugh. It's funny, right? It's, I know what's going to happen. You know, the crowd's going crazy. It's like, yeah, you're about to have your hearts crushed. You know, it's, 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 it's fun now. It wasn't fun. Then, If you know where you're headed, and as Hebrews 12 says, if you know where you're headed, you can endure anything. And ultimately, uh, where we're headed as people, as the church, is, in the, in the words of Hebrews 12, that exhilarating finish in and with God. We are headed to life, a more full life with God. Like, life is about God. And that's what Joshua was to see, is, is the ark's ahead of you. God's ahead of you. Go, go where he is. And if you want to live a life of bold faith, uh, the thing we can never forget is that our, we were created for life with God. We were created for God. That's where, that's where we're headed. That's the whole point of everything. And in fact, God so wanted 
life with us, that he went to a cross for us. Like, he went ahead of us. Which is why, you know, our first step of bold faith is never the first step. God, God is already so far ahead of us at the cross, in the, the, the resurrection life, now seated at the right hand of God. The thought that we have to pull God into our plans at any time, and listen, I need this lesson more than anybody, that's wrong. <laughs> and I, like, I can't get into the details here. This building in Shawnee, again, and it, it could all fall apart tomorrow, and I'm, I'm cool with that. But as of this moment, God has continually been ahead of me on this, and I've, I've not had to pull him in to, to anything. It's what gives me confidence in this moment, right, is, is that we didn't have to work hard for a negotiated price. The price we thought was there. I mean, God has been exceedingly good. And, and so if you want to take a step of bold faith, God, God's ahead of you. He's already taken the first step. Uh, follow his voice. Meditate on his word. Um, and the last thing, the last part of the story I want to look at is in Joshua 4. So once they cross the land, uh, they pause for a moment. And, and here's what happens in Joshua 4, verse 6. Uh, they say, uh, actually, verse, verse 5, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God, and in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So what's important here is that I mean, they're just getting into the promised land and God's already thinking the future generations, next generations. And so if, if you want to if you wanna take, if you want to be a person of bold faith, it's not just that God is always ahead of you. He's always taking first step before you take your first step. But also we need to know that our first step is never God's last step. Like we, there's never a step we take and God's like, all right, it's over. No, God's going to keep moving forward. And the moment they cross the river, he says, stop. Take 12 stones, build a memorial, and this is to remind for generations to come my faithfulness and my promises to you. You need to remember there are children coming, there are people coming that don't not yet know this story, and you need to tell this story again and again and again. And our mission as God's people, the church, it is a mission that started long before us. We are here because people put up those stones and told those stories, and we heard those stories, and we entered into the gospel, into faith with Jesus, and that story is going to live on past us, right? And that's why we said, as we think about this, this move to a building, to a more uh, rooted place in the community, the point is, it's not about us. It's not about, we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. That will be nice. It's not about, we can do more things ministry-wise. That will be nice. It is about the people that we don't yet know. It's about the names we don't yet know, the stories that have not yet been told, but God knows those stories, and he's calling us to cross, right, cross the river, set up the stones, and wait for a new generation to, to come. That's what this moment is about. For As we believe, God has called our church to plant churches, and as we take steps of faith, God will continue to push us forward. And so we, uh, this is going to be incredibly awkward, but there's, there's just no way around that. Um, but we wanted to take a moment. Uh, last week we heard from Gabe, our downtown campus pastor. And this week I shot a video along with Mitch uh, Holtis, our elder who attends here, uh, for the rest of the campuses. And even though we're both here this morning and you're going to watch this on video and that's super awkward, we just felt like, mostly I felt like you should hear from Mitch more so. That you've heard enough from me. You need to hear from Mitch, and, uh, and he's way better than I am at anything. So, uh, so take a look. This is us talking about the building for the whole, the whole church. 
Well, good morning, Christ community. My name is Tim Spamberg, and I serve as the campus pastor at our Shawnee Mission Campus. And I'm Mitch Holtis, and I'm an elder at Christ Community who attends our Shawnee Mission Campus. We're excited to be on video with you this morning. This is a big week for our campus. We have reached an agreement on a building in Shawnee, which is a process that goes back over four years. Before we even announced that there would be a Shawnee campus, I was in a car driving around Shawnee, looking at buildings, trying to find a long-term home for our campus. And four years after setting up and tearing down, for whatever reason, uh, God waited a while, but here we are. Yeah, for uh, we were there at the beginning of Shawnee Mission and just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, thinking, you know, starting at Maranatha Academy and recently at Trail Ridge Middle School, setting up and tearing down, thinking maybe just to taste the sweet nectar of the uh, Mitch, are you talking about the building in Shawnee or Patrick Mahomes? Actually both, to tell you the truth. Uh, one thing that's been great, I'm so proud uh, of our folks at Shawnee Mission, but what I've been able to see, Tim, over the past four years is something that's real. It's the great thing about Christ's community, real faith, uh, real study of the word, uh, a real spirit to work together no matter the situation. Yeah, when I think about taking that real community we have and, and having a home that we can invite people into, that gets me excited that this move isn't just about us not having to set up and tear down anymore. It's about having a home to invite other people into. And I think about our partnership with Advice and Aid, where we often do events with them, but we do them at other churches or other facilities. Now we can welcome them in into our, our home. When I think about just the community presence and the rootedness, I get really excited. Yeah, a couple things I want to mention too is one, when you invite and reach out people to attend worship with you, it gets a little awkward with the whole set up and tear down. You're trying to have a meaningful conversation, but it's kind of like going to dinner and they're painting or putting up wallpaper around you. The second thing, what excites me about being on the elder leadership team is to see the cooperation in this endeavor with all five campuses, sacrifices that are being made. And again, that oneness in five, so to speak, uh, people reaching out saying, hey, we want you to have a home. Yeah, we have a mission that we cannot accomplish alone. And, and thinking about that, this past summer, there was a season actually where we didn't have to tear down at, at church, and, and it created space for conversation. And so there was a morning, uh, Misty and I, we were hanging out after church, just catching our breath, and, and in walked a friend of ours who was, was just hurting, was frustrated, and came in just in this refreshingly honest conversation. And we, we talked, we prayed, it was a powerful, powerful moment. Three weeks ago, we could not have had that conversation because the room would have been uh, torn down and people all around us. It wouldn't have been possible. And that's why we're excited about this potential building. And here's the thing, we can't take that step without all of us together moving in the same direction, that our mission takes all of us together. And here's the thing about that person who came and, and talked to my wife and I. She actually used to attend our Leewood campus, but, but she lived in Shawnee. It was too far of a drive and eventually uh, fell out of it being able to attend Christ Community. And then, and then four years ago, we planted in Shawnee where she could walk to our church with her family. And a couple weeks ago, we were watching the Chiefs game after church. And there in the midst of pizza, she came up to me and she just said, Tim, thank you for this church. And that was a thank you that took all of us together on mission. And now it's time for us to go and do it again. Yeah, so when we, when we took that step uh, four years ago and, and planted this, this campus, this church, I didn't know um, what was, was ahead. Um, and, and as we take this step into, uh, into a new building, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, what's 
what's ahead. But I do know that one day uh, I want to be able to stand up in front of you guys, uh, not here, preferably, somewhere else, uh, at a church, and, and, and be able to say, look at the people that we didn't know yet, the names we hadn't, we hadn't heard yet, the stories that have, have been told after this, this move. And we don't know what those are now, but God does. So one day I'm going to stand up old and gray, maybe even more bald somehow. I don't know. <laughs> know how. Uh, I hope this doesn't go away, but maybe. Um, but we can't get to that day without a first step together. And as we take the step, here, here's what's ahead. First, we're going to have a congregational meeting December 9th. It's three weeks from today. Uh, it's going to be 6 to 6.30, um, I think 6.30, and, uh, and come. Um, come and, and vote. And vote. Uh, we would ask you to vote yes. We think God has put this together, and there are good questions. There's a lot of planning ahead, but we would ask you to come on December 9th and vote yes. Secondly, we'd, we'd call you uh, to give, uh, give generously and sacrificially, that even though we are, uh, we are a church plant, a part of a broader campus, um, as much as possible, I'm very, I'm very glad I can go to, the, to our elder leadership team, to our senior leaders, and say our campus exists entirely uh, self-sufficient apart from the whole at this point. We have for most of our existence. That's because of your generosity. I, I'm excited about that. But we couldn't take this step into a building without the whole. And the more generous we are, the more Christ community is propelled into our next step, our next campus, into investing in other places. And so we call you to, to begin to pray and think about how you could give generously and sacrificially towards this step. Um, and thirdly, uh, serve generously and sacrificially. You already do, um, but, but if there are more people, to, if we're going to have more kids in children's ministry, we're going to need even more volunteers. If we're going to have more people coming in through our doors, we're going to need even more greeters, more people to say hi and to welcome others. And so again, uh, this is not a chance for us to take a step back, but to take a step forward. But what we need most from you, I mean, those things are important, obviously, but what we need most from every person in this room is that we are all individually people of bold faith. In your vocation, in your neighborhood, at your school, wherever God has put you on Monday, to be a person of bold faith in that place where you're living life for him, trusting in his promises, living out his design for your your life. And the reality is you and I, we have even more reason to be people of bold faith than they had in Joshua 1. We don't have an ark in a river parting the waters for us. We have a cross on Calvary and Jesus, the Son of God, dying for our sins for us. We don't, we don't cross a river to go into the promised land. We come in through baptismal waters where we are promised the resurrection life of Jesus. And we don't just have the Father's voice in the first five books of the Bible, which sometimes are really confusing if you've ever read them. We have the voice of God through Jesus in the Gospels, telling us, showing us what life could be like, and ultimately crying out from a cross, it is finished. And that Son, He saves us and He sends us into the world, and we are convinced He is not finished with His work, and so we are not finished with ours. Let's pray. Father, we, we pause to, to look back at how your promises have always held true to your people, to Israel, to Jesus who went to the cross for us. Lord, when you make promises, they are held true. And so, Lord, we, we as your people gather because you promise um, to, to forgive us and to make us whole when we come to your son, Jesus, in faith. So, Lord, this morning as we sing, as we continue in worship, help us to come in faith, to know you and to live for you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.